Welcome back to another episode of the Higher Love with Megan podcast, talking all things mind, body, soul, healing and expansion with me, your host, Megan Cooper. This podcast seeks out wisdom for how to live better, to support our bodies, liberate our minds, open our hearts and nourish our souls so that we can expand into our fullest expression and live with love, vitality and freedom. If you are returning to this space, please do take a moment to rate the show, or you can head to Apple Podcasts to leave a review, all of which enables more people to find me and for me to connect with more great guests each week for both yours and my enjoyment. If you're new here, welcome, and it's great to connect, celebrating you for dedicating your time to self-discovery and reconnection. Our time is our greatest commodity and gift, so thanks for investing it in yourself and sharing it with me. Up on the podcast this week, we have my beautiful friend and soul sister, ceremonialist, breathwork practitioner, and women's guide, Betty Lewis-Griffiths. If you follow me on Instagram, you've likely seen Betty on my stories, swimming, breathing, laughing, frolicking in fields together, and everything in between. You might also have listened to the earlier episode that we created together, episode eight, Love and Loss, Reclaiming Joy, Peace and Meaning in Times of Grief, which we recorded together six months after the passing of Betty's mum back in 2021. 18 months on, I wanted to circle back to speak to Betty about how life has shifted for her in the past couple of years, with her mum's death acting as a huge catalyst for deepening her work and her relationship with love, life and death. Devotion, both to self and to life itself, has become central to the way that she lives her life, infusing the way she holds ceremony, the presence she cultivates with her clients, finding hidden pockets of joy all around, and the way she prioritizes herself and her needs, something that a lot of people struggle with amongst demanding lives and a busy culture. In this episode, we discuss what she sees as living a devotional life, not just lighting candles and incense, but actually going back to basics so that we eat, sleep, breathe and connect better to keep falling more and more in love with this sacred life that we have. Enjoy. All right, love. Well, welcome. It's so good to welcome you back onto the podcast. And I'm really excited to have this conversation. So thank you for your time, wisdom and energy. Thank you for having me. (laughs) So do you want to just start off by introducing yourself? Who are you? What do you do? Sure. So I'm Betty. I'm a breathwork facilitator, I'm a ceremonialist, and I work with people to really guide them back to their own wisdom. And I do that through various different tools and practices, really bringing in ceremony, ritual, breath, and nature as the kind of key pillars. Mm, Beautiful. So in the last episode that we recorded together, it was six months after the passing of your mum, What has shifted or evolved for you further in the last 18 months since that original conversation? Oh, that's such a big question. I think there's been so much. It's actually hard to believe that it's been two years at the anniversary, Mm. you know, a couple of weeks ago. Um, Yeah, so much. I think something that I've really sort of been reflecting on recently is that, you know, when you lose someone that you're really close to and it's sudden, there is that that huge element of kind of shock that is layered across the grief. And I think Mm. when things are sudden and you're, you're dealing with that shock, your grief is almost like 
a little bit hidden as well because it's like you've got this added layer and it takes time you know to really kind of find acceptance of what's happened and I think with that that shock um kind of falls away and then you're meeting your grief with a new level um a new way and it's kind of like learning what that means for you how that feels what that looks like and really trying to find how um living with that grief is going to work for you Mm. so with that you know it's it's just a constant continuous invitation really every single day just to come back to myself um to check in with myself to be really present with anything that is there you know some days are easier than others and i think you know with grief it's such a it's such a weird one because you just don't know how it's going to be for you as much as it's been challenging and difficult and really painful at times like i believe it's been like such a catalyst for me as well like not only in my own kind of personal life but also in my work as well I did take a step back and I feel like it took me a long time to kind of find my feet again because I was in this constant evolution of of change, literally like it felt like every single day. And so with that, there's obviously like elements of frustration because you kind of feel like, okay, I'm ready. I know who I am again now. And then, you know, you'll, you'll learn something new about yourself or you'll experience something new for the first time without that person. And then you're met with a different layer of grief. So it's a yeah it's it's ever unfolding um but I kind of see that as the beauty in it being what is really driving me and you know losing my mum is really what has taught me how to live fully Mm. and also to have you know better boundaries as well and to really cherish the things that light me up the, the people that are there for me that have got my back and that can support me and really allowing me to actually let go of a lot of things that aren't nourishing for me or aren't maybe holding me in um, the way that I need to be held so yeah there's been a lot of change um, but a lot of growth as well Mm. Um, and I just yeah I feel really excited about where I'm at right now yeah yeah and over the last 18 months you've done a whole host of different trainings and various things to not just uh, other aspects of your breath work but also death doula training um and various other different healing modalities so how has this path I guess taken you in a slightly different direction and what 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 types of things have you been studying over the last 18 months that have helped you yeah well I think when you're faced with death um you know whether it's um, an illness of your own or you know someone close to you that is um at end of life or or dying it really it's a moment in time where like everything else just falls away like everything else becomes insignificant really and you're kind of faced with the the reality um of life and death with that and I think you know one of the reasons that I ended up doing the death doula foundation course was purely because I was just so shocked by how little I knew about end of life and death and dying Mm. like you know from everything from what you do once someone's died to you know how to grieve how to support myself how to support others and it was really you know losing my mum that kind of woke me up to that and I think it's probably Mm. the same for a lot of people you know until we experience these things um, we don't really know how to be with death 
or grief um, and a lot of us kind of turn away from it because it's it's easier to sort of not not allow ourselves to feel it or face it mm. but I really experienced the opposite of that I was like wow okay death this is big <laughs> it happens to all of us and how have I lived in this whole you know uh, denying it for so long and I think by opening myself up to it more it's just really encouraged me and invited me more into life and living every mm. single day. And um, the, yeah, the death doula training was just a small part of that. It was such a beautiful course. And it's really, for me, I feel like it's something that every single one of us should have access to because yeah. we are all going to die at some point and we are all going to experience death. We're all, we are gonna lose someone that we love, you know, as hard as that is, that might be to hear, it's the truth. And I think the biggest gift that we can give ourselves is to actually open up to that reality and open up to that truth. And really lean into it and allow ourselves to get intimate with death and end of life. Because, you know, by doing that, it really means that we have such a bigger acceptance for the life that we have right now. The day that we have, the moment that we have, the year that we have, you know, the life in all. Yeah, I'm really grateful that I had that opportunity to do that course because, you know, I haven't necessarily used it. It wasn't really a training to necessarily become a death doula it was more to support myself to support my family and you know be able to offer my dad better support when it comes to his end of life as well because I really feel like it's something that we should all be able to support our family with we should all be able to have those conversations you know one of the uh, I don't know favorites a weird word but like one of the the best most eye-opening moments for me in that training was like planning my own end of life and planning my own funeral it was like wow it felt really empowering um mm. to not just think of end of life as being someone in you know perhaps a hospital bed like waiting for that moment where your where your time is kind of come to an end and actually taking control of it and like really seeing it as this beautiful beautiful thing this amazing transition and like, yeah, obviously we don't know what it's like because we don't experience it until the time comes, but we can get to a place where we feel this this opening towards it and this softening and this real level of acceptance. And I think that that training has really just um, brought a big shift in some of the work that I do as well, because, you know, I love holding ceremonial spaces. And um, for me, it is all about being present in the moment and that's not always easy, but it's like whenever I'm with my clients, it's like, okay, how can I invite them into the space where they fully surrender into this space? You know, whether it's like a couple of hours, three hours, half day, a five day retreat, whatever it is, it's like we don't often give ourselves permission to be fully with the experience that's in front of us. And by not allowing that, we don't really experience it fully. So, yeah, I think that's, you know, that's just one of the trainings that I've been on. I've been on, you know, retreats in Ecuador about reclaiming my pleasure and my wild feminine you know I've also experienced my 40th birthday which felt like a massive learning in itself you know I, I think that a lot of the time we think that these courses or trainings that we do are only done through the kind of the accredited trainings that we see online but actually like every single life experience is a massive training a massive mm. learning a massive lesson and it's like how can we allow ourselves to open up to that and learn from every single moment and every single experience and really be in it and be with it. Yeah, amazing. And how would you say this experience over the last couple of years has shifted the way that you work 
with your clients and in ceremony when people are going through a process you've mentioned obviously presence of being fully with somebody but how would you say that you working with people in a deep way has evolved as a result of this experience well I think it's like one thing that I learned really when I was moving through my grief is that is that um is what you actually need at that time it's like you don't need someone to come and fix it because they can't what you need is someone to be there to kind of hold you in whatever you're in in that moment and for whatever you are experiencing whatever you are sharing you know whether it's emotion whether it's like thoughts and feelings that you've had that you feel guilty about having whatever it is for them to be able to hold you in that and to you know acknowledge and validate where you're at and allow it really and so I think for me bringing that into my spaces is kind of deepened that um you know taking me out of the equation it's like yes I'm there to facilitate a process but it's not about me it's like I'm literally just there to hold the space like whoever comes into my space whatever they bring you know whatever experience emotion you know whatever's alive for them in that in that moment like I just want to be there to hold them in it to allow them to be in it because I think the world that we live in, the society that we live in, we don't have that space to just be ourselves in that moment. Sometimes it's like, you know, ugly emotions that we really want to let out. We want to scream, we want to shout, we want to punch pillows, whatever it is. And, you know, it's not always available (laughs) when you're just out and about or in a client meeting or whatever it is. So for me, it's really deepened the spaces that I hold in allowing for every single emotion to be met in that space. Mm, Beautiful. And devotions really become a core theme for you in your work and in your purpose and in your program that's obviously beginning in September. Devotion is really a core theme. So how has devotion emerged through this experience to become so central in your life? Mm. I think devotion for me is just, it's quite simple. And it really is just allowing yourself to be loved, to feel loved, to give and receive love. For me, it's been a real um, invitation to come back to that daily devotion as well, giving myself that space to really check in with how I am. Because, you know, we wake up in the morning and sometimes we're like, oh, we have to get out of bed and we need to go here and we need to do that. And we don't even check in with ourselves. So then we arrive wherever we're arriving. We don't actually know how we are. Um, And we tell ourselves how we need to be. And actually, that's just really like not allowing ourselves to be with whatever's true and whatever's real in that moment. And so in that in that respect, a lot of our feelings just get kind of squashed and and denied because it's not suitable in that moment. So for Mm. me, one of the biggest pieces of devotion is really coming back to myself. Um, every single day at some point and you know some days it's easier than others and I think it's really just um, coming back to me and how I am and what I need in that moment as well and not being afraid of um, what the answer might be because I think sometimes we're like oh we can't feel like this we don't have time to feel like this we don't have time to deal with this but actually how can we just acknowledge whatever's there and for that to be okay as it Mm. is don't need to change it in that moment we just need to be with it and acknowledge it and allow it as it is yeah yeah and what I'm hearing there is you know this presence piece of just being with what is but then also this permission piece of giving ourselves permission to just be 
however we are or whatever our needs are and then creating safety within ourselves that that will be okay you know whatever it is or whatever um whatever wants to come up knowing that we can hold that within ourselves and making that okay definitely and I think especially in terms of like you know just coming back to the topic of grief as well because when someone dies often you've seen that person through rose-tinted glasses because you love them deeply and sometimes what happens is once they've gone is like all these other things start coming to the surface and you start to feel guilt around certain things that you realize or you feel and that's a whole other thing and you know we don't need anything else to feel guilty about in this life so it's about allowing whatever feelings that you have to be totally valid and really just holding yourself in that you know journaling on it like writing letters allowing yourself to do these like emotional release techniques in a really safe environment because there's no emotion or part of us that is you know not welcome like for me in my spaces every single emotion is welcome and like that's what I really try to bring into my work as well it's like nothing you know no emotion is negative there is no spectrum of emotion in terms of positive positive and negative it's just in our society there's less acceptance around some of the more kind of shadowy aspects of us so Mm. like how do we get to actually embody those and be in these safe spaces where we can unleash the wild woman (laughs) and do whatever we need to do because there is so much deep healing in in that as well you know like I was in uh, leading my retreat in Portugal and I was literally just looking back on some photos this morning and we did this beautiful emotional release exercise and just looking at um, the expression in people's faces as they're allowing these deep guttural emotions and sounds to come out of them is just so incredible to witness and I think it really is um, just coming back to more of that allowing more of that for sure. Mm. So what would you describe as the essence for you of living a devotional life I think there's a lot really although it's it's like a simple idea I think there's a lot that goes into it because one thing that's really important is boundaries you know if you're not boundaried and you're always giving then you're not going to have the time or the energy to have devotional practices for yourself I think you know a devotional when we think of a devotional life we can often think of that um people pleaser of like okay devoting yourself to others and yes obviously like devotion in like a loving relationship is really beautiful as well but actually for me it's more about coming back to ourselves because it's that that old cliche of like filling up your own cup isn't it it's like you can't really Mm -hmm. do anything for anyone else when you're when you're giving from an, an empty space so really I think it is coming back to the basics of um yeah putting in those boundaries so that you have that time for yourself and I know that time is always one of the biggest barriers to any of this work even just you know taking yourself to yoga a few times a week I I have it with clients that you know don't have time for the practices that I share with them and I think there's a there's an interesting kind of invitation to to lean into why you can't perhaps find that time because often it isn't about the time. It's about the resistance and Mm. with devotion and spending time with yourself. um, A lot of the time that's really, really uncomfortable because we're allowing those difficult emotions to come up. Right. So we're not 
ignoring them anymore and so Mm. sometimes we can want to have all these beautiful practices in place but the reality of actually bringing them into your life isn't you know it's not all like incense and lighting candles it's like you know a lot of uncomfortable moments as well like sitting with yourself through tears Mm. through pain through difficult thoughts or you know judging yourself and judging others so I think it also there's a massive compassion piece around it as well yeah and what would you say are the symptoms of not living in a devotional way and by devotion we kind of got this devotion to self devotion to life and the presence in the everyday and you know I know that in our last podcast we talked a lot about gratitude and reverence for life itself and I guess that's all part of devotion getting ourselves into you know a good enough place within ourselves that we can notice the beauty and the joy that is available to us in the everyday So what would you say with that in mind is symptomatic of us individually or collectively not living in a devotional way? I think there's so much to it. You know, it's like the society that we live in is really kind of, well, it's all, it's encouraging us to be disconnected from ourselves. It's telling us that we need this thing over here. We need to buy this thing. We need to do this. We need to aim higher. We need to, you know, buy bigger. And it's going against nature really it's going against everything that we are um and so really it's just that coming back to ourselves so that we don't end up experiencing burnout we you know experiencing disconnect which to me actually i feel like it's one of the biggest diseases not being connected to ourselves mm-hmm. because how do we know who we are and what we need and what we can give ourselves every single day if we're so disconnected from ourselves and constantly looking elsewhere so really I think you know one of the symptoms of it is also I I feel like it's the people pleaser because from my own personal experience like the life that I lived 10 years ago six years ago even I get lost in in what year it is and what day it is but (laughs) so much time has passed but I used to live a completely different life to how I live now and when I reflect on it I honestly do not know how I wasn't dead like you know, I mean, there were there were signs that I wasn't okay. I was drinking heavily. I was barely sleeping. I was working really hard. But, you know, and I had I had like a good job in a very corporate world, like so demanding. And I was earning like good money. But like, was I actually happy? I think I thought that I was. And I told myself that I was because I was like living this dream life. But actually, I didn't really know who I was or mm. I wanted so I was just in this kind of hamster wheel of like trying to earn more trying to get a promotion trying to do more all of these things and then scrabbling on through life but feeling like completely empty inside and then eventually reaching burnout and then having to reassess my whole life which is how I've really kind of ended up where I am now because I am choosing to slow things down I'm choosing to live a life in a different way because I'm lucky enough to be able to do that but you know, it's not easy. It's not easy to go against the grain and the systems and the society that we live in. It's really not. It's not easy. And I think that's Mm. the thing to remember. It's like, that's why this work is so important to me, because I want to make it more accessible and a little bit easier to adopt and to really lean into. Because I think at the moment, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't have time for that. And it's like, for me, that just breaks my heart because that's like saying that you don't have time to look after yourself, to feed yourself, to exercise. It's like, it's just as important. 
Yeah. And I love what you're bringing attention to at the end there, that actually devotion can also be feeding ourselves right, moving our bodies, you know, all these basic things that we wouldn't necessarily think of as devotion, because you're right, like when I, you know, the kind of first thought around devotion is literally like, you know, praying, lighting incense, doing all the kind of ceremonial type stuff, which obviously is an aspect of devotional practices. But when living a life of devotion is the focal point, then fueling our bodies right, giving ourselves opportunities to move our bodies, to rest, you know, these basic aspects of living well, if we're in a privileged position enough to do so, is also living a devotional life, right? Yeah, totally. And it's just another example of how simple how simple we need to make things again because we've got so distracted from all of the noise or all, all of the marketing all of the stuff that we've actually forgotten to feed ourselves well to to drink enough water to sleep like every conversation that i have with friends recently is like you know people feeling tired people you know not feeling like they're eating as well cuz they're so busy and it's like these are our basic needs like if we can't if we can't feed ourselves Um, And even coming down to the educational piece around food, you know, like this past year has been a massive journey for me personally in terms of working with a nutritionist, learning about food. Um, And I just can't believe that I've I've waited this long to to do this work because it's like, hang on a minute. (laughs) You know, I am I am my vessel. I only have one of these. And it just it just seems so wild to me that um, it's not something that we all know. Um, And also the the things that we get taught or the things that we pick up through life, you know, for me, it was like living in a world of like constant different dieting and and counting calories and that kind of thing. Trusting in these companies that, you know, they, they wanted to support me in my health, but obviously learning later in life that like, it is just a marketing tool. And sadly, like that was never going to support my, my physical health. Um, But yeah, it's just mind blowing to me that, we really do have to come back to basics and learn how to feed and water ourselves again. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of crazy thinking about it, isn't it? Because we're all worried about buying the incense sticks, but then, but then most people don't know how to feed themselves. Well, most people have sleeping issues. You as a breathwork facilitator, you know that most people don't even breathe right. So actually we don't even have the like basic functions of like, well, breathing, sleeping, resting, eating, you know, drinking like good, clean water, drinking enough water, you know, all these basic things aren't in place. And this is like our natural state, right? Like our natural way of being. And you mentioned earlier in the conversation, you you mentioned nature. Mm. And I know that you have, you know, you and nature have a have a very close relationship you know (laughs) like you know you're kind of happiest when in the when in the woods right and how does nature play a role for you in this devotional life or how does it inspire or educate you around what devotional life is yeah nature really is like my biggest teacher you know apart from the people that are around me all the time um nature is just well it just it shows us what we need to know it reminds us of the impermanence of life the cycles Mm. of life you know like a lot of the work that I do is all about being cyclical beings you know like moving through these daily monthly 
yearly cycles and nature is such a beautiful way of reminding us of that you know when we feel like when we feel resistant to letting things go because it's all we know it's you know how how are we going to function if we don't have that nature is is dropping stuff all, all over the place all the time you know and we don't we don't judge it we don't ever judge it like you know you can walk into the woods and see a tree where you're like oh I'm not sure if it's dead but it's like it's still beautiful yet mm-hmm. we're so judgmental to ourselves and again it's it's because of the way that we kind of learned growing up it's like that whole competition mindset in terms of like within sisterhood and things like that it's like you know it wasn't very supportive it was like I I just remember going back to school and things like that and it was always a competition and I think nature always kind of reminds me that like every single element is beautiful in its own way as well it's like I and I also love it because it really reminds me of just like being a child being Mm. playful like that innocence of just being in total awe of the thing that is in front of you. And like, you know, one of my favorite things is just walking through the woods, like even very slowly and just looking at everything. And, you know, you notice the small things, the the little like ant, like carrying a bit of food or like, you know, the tree that looks like it's dead, but then it's growing something else out of it. You know, the sun through the trees, it's just so magical and like that might might again sound really basic but I feel that it's so important to come back to those basics just like the food and the water Mm. and the sleep it's like we have become so disconnected from nature that we don't see it as the teacher that it is and so for me it's really about spending time with it connecting with it and um listening to it as Mm. well because Mm -hmm. there is so much that we can gain from just being in it, being with it, like having our feet on the earth, just sitting with it. And, you know, in the same way that we come back to ourselves and we do self-inquire and we ask ourselves how we are, we tune into our heart, you know, our womb space. It's the same with nature. It's like making that time to devote ourselves to taking ourselves into nature is just so important. Mm. And a way that as, as women, you know, we have such a invitation to connect with a natural state of kind of life and death and flow and ebb by connecting back to our cycles, right? And I mean, I know that you're immensely passionate about this. I'm immensely passionate about this. And I think that that's such a good inroad for somebody who is not living, you know, in an inverted commas, a devotional way when we can understand our cycle and create devotion around that and connect back into nature that way, that's a really powerful thing. So how would you say that your uh, connection to your body, your connection to your cycle supports you to live in this devotional way? And what does that look like for you in your kind of daily, monthly life? Yeah, it's so big. I think if for nothing else, it's it comes back to that self-compassion piece mm-hmm. and understanding that where you are and how you are in that moment is exactly, you know, it's divine. It's, it's how it, I hate using the word should, but it's like, it's how it should be in that moment. And also really allowing yourself to give yourself and receive what it is that you need in that moment, you know again, coming back to the life that we live in, it's like the society that we live in, you know, there's no space for us to have time off. If you experience a monthly cycle, then you do experience that winter time, which is that time of, um, you know, 
menstruation if that's what you experience um whether you bleed or not you will experience some form of winter and it's like what we really need in that time is to actually rest and be with ourselves you know like we don't um get angry with winter because like there's no flowers it's like we then fully appreciate in spring when the flowers start to bloom like I know how excited I get when it's like bluebell season and tulips Mm. start coming out so it's like how how come we can appreciate that in nature but we can't allow that for ourselves like I think that is such a big piece of um, a lot of the work that I do it's like remembering that we're not built to constantly be doing, constantly be giving, constantly even be available. You know, it's like we actually really need to know ourselves, know our bodies so that we can put the right boundaries in place to honor ourselves. So that then when we come into our summer months, summer part of the month, when we're, you know, in our full kind of energy, superwoman power zone, well, how can we really step into that and really bring in all the magic that we've got to share? in that period because otherwise we we end up spreading ourselves too thin and you know nothing ever really comes to fruition or nothing for me it feels like when I have months where I don't honor my winter nothing feels as good as it could be like there's no real peak and trough it's all a bit kind of meh throughout the month Mm. so it's really leaning into those cycles and those seasons um, not only for yourself but also for like everything else that you do and everything else that you are in life Yeah. And it's available for men as well. My partner notices shifts and fluctuations within himself around the lunar cycle, for example. And that natural ebb and flow and proximity and connection to nature is actually something that we can all harness, right? Totally. And like, I think the thing to remember is like, obviously, you know, men and women's biology is different, but men tend to have like a, you know, a 24 hour cycle as well. So it's, it's like, how can we be more compassionate to the men in our lives as well? Mm. You know, even when you think about the, the annual kind of seasonal cycle, Mm. I think um, it's really important to be aware of that as well and like allow ourselves to support ourselves through the actual seasonal changes within the year as well yeah yeah and again it's just like that reminder of the compassion piece you know what's arising in the moment even if we don't like it or even if we judge that we should that we should be a different way you know it's that compassion of okay well this is what I'm experiencing right now what do I need as a result of that yeah And with that, remembering that life is a spiral and, you know, the the thing that I've always come back to and more and more recently is like when I'm having one of those days or periods where things just feel really shit and really hard and, um, you know, even you feel quite low and you're just like, what is life? The thing to remember in that moment is that it will get better. And you'll have those days where you feel or moments where you feel ecstatic, where you're sat on the beach in the morning with a coffee, just watching the waves. You've had a sea swim and you just have that energetic feeling in your body of like pure joy and gratitude. Um, And it works the other way as well. Like when you're in those moments of presence where you feel the, the wonder and the joy and the bliss of life and gratitude. It's like, how can you anchor into that? So that on the days where you don't feel that, you can reflect on it and bring, you know, bring that feeling into your body. Mm. It's so powerful. And I think sometimes we just label ourselves. We're like, oh, I'm having a bad day. And then it's like, well, we are going to have a bad day if we don't come back to ourselves, ask ourselves what we need 
and also know ourselves as well like I know the things that make me feel good and so Mm. if I'm having a bad day and I don't do those things it's like well obviously you're not going to feel any better but if I'm having a difficult day and I have make space for one or two of those things then I know that that's going to help yeah again it sounds simple but it's like I really feel like there's just such a need to come back to basics what would you say is the way that devotion plays a role in your like day-to-day life what are maybe some things that you do as an act of devotion that other people could maybe do which feels accessible what does devotion look look like to you in the day-to-day coming back to what we were talking about before like what you put in your body like the food side of things for me is really big like having a nice space to cook in so that you actually want to cook yourself nice food and really enjoying that process as well like making it um, a ritual like going you know finding a recipe that you really want to use and then taking the time to like source the beautiful ingredients and then prepare them and then cook them and then enjoying them and like if you don't want to enjoy them on your own then like inviting a friend or um, you know asking a friend if you can bring it over to them and like really making a ritual out of that simple basic need of food because I think so much of the reality that we live in now is you know food is just like pop it in off we go now we need to do the next thing um and so we end up maybe you know not eating the best things and not even being connected to that food mm. before put it in our body I think slowing down the whole process of cooking and eating for me has been quite big um mm. and also quite healing in terms of the relationship that I have with food as well. Mm. Um, You know, like unpicking a lot of that kind of good and bad food chat that um, we maybe grew up with in the 80s, 90s, um, and coming back to the truth of um, what our bodies actually need and how different we all are as well, because we are all so unique. And I think it's like, again, getting rid of that comparison and getting to know your own body and doing what's right for you and not worrying about what anyone else is thinking about. Mm. in terms of other kind of devotional practices I guess for me I mean the rituals that I have in the mornings are always very different like some mornings I will take the time to go down to the water um, to just be with the water to sometimes sing to the water to talk to the water like I feel very connected to my mum when I'm in the sea mm. um And so, you know, as weird as that might seem to anyone that is swimming close by, it just, it really supports me to to have that. And it's kind of like, you know, when you look at the sea as well, it's just this big kind of vast void almost. There's no end to it. So I really see it as something that can just take anything that I don't want or don't need. So I, I often use that as a bit of a kind of cleansing ritual as well. But really, like, it's about finding the rituals that are right for you. And that might be making a coffee in the morning, but making the coffee without being on your phone or without cooking at the same time or without putting the washing on. It's like actually taking the time to select a really beautiful coffee, treating yourself to something beautiful, you know, even like finding a new mug for yourself so that it's a really special ritual. And then moving through that process and then sitting with the coffee and even like setting intentions with it. It's like, you know, this is going to bring me X, Y, and Z and being intentional with everything that you do. I think even, you know, if, if someone is listening to this and they're really short on time, it's like, if you have to walk to the supermarket or if you have to walk to work, like how can you use that time 
as a devotional practice like maybe it's making sure that you're completely off your phone and you're really present with everything on the way to work or maybe it's choosing a route that is a little bit different so that you're just like opening up your senses to everything that is around it really doesn't have to be this big complicated thing and often again coming back to basics and simplicity is really key and it's just finding the things that work for you um, Mm. and really just taking that time to get to know yourself because you know what I do might not resonate with someone that's listening and they could find their own way with it so it really is just tapping into any of the magic that really kind of resonates with you and a detail that I heard there that really kind of struck me and this relates to this theme of pleasure and I know that you've done you know a lot of kind of embodiment trainings and you know various different pleasure retreats there's this real link you know you mentioned having a coffee and having it in a really nice mug. And for me, I would say that we can bring like devotion into our everyday by making everything Mm. pleasurable, making everything like feel nice. Like if you're going to drink coffee or tea, get a mug that you really, really like. If you're going to like, and get like, you know, I'm like really sensitive to textures and fabrics. So I just got to a point where I was like, why am I not wearing fabrics or textures that I love all of the time and I mean I know that that's a luxury to be able to do but like when we buy things like blankets or you know cushions or like new things for our home or you know whatever we do it's trying to make it as pleasurable as possible as an experience would you say totally and and something interestingly that came up I can't actually remember where it came up but it was this inquiry into like how comfortable we are with actually holding pleasure or joy because um the example that was shared was like you know someone gives you a compliment oh I really like your top instead of just going oh do you know what yeah thanks I love it it makes me feel great we're like oh it's just from here or oh it's just a you know shitty old thing I just found or whatever and it's like hang on a minute we're not even allowing ourselves to be in that vibration of receiving that pleasure and that joy in that moment and I think that is where it has to start we have to really um get used to receiving it and feeling it so that we know what it actually feels like and then we can allow ourselves to lean into it even more yeah I love that and it just reminds me of a lot of Regina Thomas Hauer's work in Pussy of which is an amazing book if if you haven't listened if you haven't listened to it uh, on Audible or haven't read it really really strongly recommend because it's so much about that isn't it it's like holding joy and especially as women you know we're we're we do tend to do that with compliments you know like brush it aside because we don't want to look like too much Mm. but actually being able to brag and say you know yeah I'm really loving this right now and being able to reflect that back to one another you know as women as well it's like super super powerful Definitely. And something we should all be doing more for sure. Like, yeah, I really feel that. And actually, like when you think about how nice it is to receive a compliment, like why don't we want to hold on to that amazing feeling? Mm. It's like, you know, we do all of these things where we kind of seek validation. Maybe we don't realize we're doing it. And then here we are given this validation of like a compliment and we can't even allow ourselves to receive it. Yeah. And getting better at giving it to others too. You know, like how good are compliments from strangers? Oh my God. The best. You know, like when someone comes up to you or like you're out in a cafe and someone is like, wow, I love your outfit today. Or like, wow, like I've just noticed this about you. And that is so great. It's so nice to be acknowledged like that. 
It's so amazing. Yeah. And I, I can remember, I, I know how I feel in my body on the occasions that that's happened as well. It's just beautiful. And yet we don't do it. It's like, we might think it, but it ha you know, it's not, it's not difficult to just tap someone on the shoulder and be like, Oh, I love your jacket or whatever it is. Um, mm. And allow them to, yeah, have a better day because we would all be having better days if we just shared the love a bit more. I think that's the thing. Like for me, devotion, you know, love is devotion. And it's like mm. feeling one of the biggest things is feeling safe to actually yeah. allow yourself to receive it. And also, you know, with that, a practice is also being comfortable and giving it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And the training that you've put together for September, this past to presence, what does that process look like? And I know that there are so many different aspects to this. So maybe yeah. you could talk through <laughs> how you have built kind of that arc and that journey what does that look like why have you structured it that way and how have those pieces come in as a result of your own journey yeah so I'm really excited about this I feel like the path to presence is something that has been so long in the making and, and one of the things that I was kind of working on even like before my mum died and so it's mm. it's been a long time in the making because it's it's changed shape as mm. I've changed so it's really amazing that it's felt like the right time to finally share and birth something um, but essentially the path to presence is a 10-week sisterhood adventure all happening online and it's really an adventure to living a life in devotion so we're going to be coming together once a week to move through a whole host of different teachings and practices to really encourage us to all come back to ourselves like for me that connection to self is where it starts um you know I can share things I can post videos I can do this I can do that but unless we actually are coming back to ourselves to rebuild that connection you know it's not really going to support us so for me the baseline of that is really bringing in those those connection exercises and practices we're also going to be I, I've included a section of it that is essentially called death and clearing the path because I really think that there is so much to be done before we can even really delve into what's there. Like we carry so much wisdom, but we also carry so much stuff, so many stories that often block us from going in deeper and from moving forward. So for me, that clearing of the path is just as important. And we do that by connecting to, you know, cycles um, and really, really allowing ourselves to let go with love, anything that we don't need anymore. Um, and then the rest of the journey is really about kind of awakening to our truth, awakening to our magic, like re giving ourselves that space to actually rewrite our truth and rewrite our stories. Like, what is it? Like, who are we and what do we actually want? You know, a lot of people move through life not even knowing what their core values are. Like, what is it mm. that, that makes them tick? What is it that's non-negotiable when they... Um, establish new friendships or relationships and often if you're coming into a relationship not knowing that you know it's it's completely shaky ground so it's supporting to build foundations in your own kind of personal life even to to open up to other relationships in your life too we obviously delve into you know the kind of shadowy work as well so anything that is within us that we're not kind of comfortable connecting with it's really about opening that door and um, bringing all of you into the space. Um, and, you know, for me, creating a safe space is my number one. Like safety is just always key. And it's actually something that 
always gets reflected back to me by people that come into my space, which is so important for me. So it's creating that safety in the space, but also in our own bodies to really open up to that devotion, that ritual, that love, that possibility, that wisdom, you know, we carry so much and because we're disconnected from it, we're kind of, we're driven by all sorts of other things and and often other people. And really it's about coming back to us so that we are the anchor. And really it's a space as well, just to, to come together in sisterhood because there is so much healing to be done in that space. Um, There's something really magical when we come together as women, especially it's that it's almost like any labels or any um, stories just kind of float away and we're all there. We're all the same. And I think the reason that it's such a powerful space is because you soon realize that those things that you have holding you back or those stories or beliefs, you know, that, it's not just you that has them. It's also the person that you're probably stood next to at the bus stop or your mate that maybe doesn't share that with you. So it's really an important space to realize that as well. And then support the group with those tools, those practices to really experience that rebirth, that kind of opportunity and space to really claim the life that they desire. Mm. It's a powerful, powerful journey. And I'm going to be bringing breathwork into it as well with some additional sessions and some um, a couple of very special um, guest facilitators as well um, that I'll be sharing more about soon. Um, so I feel really excited. Um, and yeah, it's just going to be a beautiful journey for anyone that feels ready. And I think the important thing is, you know, before you commit to any of these spaces is really just to tune into whether you are ready because it's really important that you are because otherwise you're coming into a space of resistance and you end up kind of more frustrated because you're not really ready to fully surrender into it but yeah it's going to be a beautiful journey so if anyone feels like they would like to be in that space from September then I would love for you to join. And what would you say to somebody who loves the idea of everything you've talked about living this devotional life and this has come up earlier but who doesn't feel like there is enough time or has a really demanding life. You know, a lot of people work, have kids, have a demanding family life. And what would you say to somebody who's wanting to create more of this, but is really struggling logistically to do that? I think the key is just to start really small. Yeah. Um, And even if that is giving yourself a minute, a minute, one minute when you wake up in the morning to just, Mm check in with yourself before you jump out of bed like that's how it starts you know by bringing that presence and that connection to yourself and your body every single day it will just really support you to be guided to be guiding yourself through life and to then actually have better boundaries to honor your needs so that when someone asks you to do something and it's not a full body yes you actually feel safe to say no because Mm. by doing that by saying no to someone else, you're actually saying yes to yourself. So it really is those teeny tiny things um, to start small and, you know, like slowing down, pausing, taking those little moments, like even if it is 30 seconds in the car before you're waiting to pick up your kid from school, like whatever it might be, instead of scrolling on your phone or whatever it is that you do, 
come spending that time with yourself like that is just mm. the number one and you know a little practice um that could be quite good to do is just to start by really asking yourself you know where it is that you feel like maybe you spend time that doesn't actually benefit you in the day because I'm sure that you'll find little pockets and how can you switch one of those pockets up to come back to you to spend that time with you yeah totally and I can really resonate with that I mean I know that years ago when I was managing very high-end fitness studio in Australia and I was working a lot of hours really 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 long hours and literally I would wake up half four five o'clock in the morning straight on my phone checking the rotors for the day ahead and then you know get straight on the train on the way to work and there was and I felt like there was no time but actually someone suggested well why don't you just turn your phone on when you get on the train so you just have 15 minutes in the morning just wake up quietly put on your clothes and literally that 15 minutes changed my whole day because it was very jarring first thing in the morning but actually just 15 minutes of and I didn't even change anything else it was literally just that just like 15 minutes of headspace so these tiny tiny little changes can create so so much uh within the rest of the day totally and a question also um that I wanted to ask you is if somebody is listening to everything that you've said and thinking well that sounds really nice but I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can create that. I don't know if I've got it in me. I don't know if I, you know, worthy, maybe it comes down to a sense of like worthiness or maybe this isn't who I am. Maybe that's not meant for me. What would you say to that? And I mean, perhaps you could talk a little bit about your own story of kind of what things used to be like for you and actually where you are now. And perhaps that's a little bit of an example for somebody of actually what you can create in your life. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good question. I think, um, I think to be honest, for me, it was actually being in other people's spaces and mm. learning from other people as well. Because usually you come into a space and there's someone else with a similar, you know, list of responsibilities or, you know, hours in the day or not hours in the day. So I think often we can learn so much from each other mm. um, in, that, in that kind of space. It's, it's, um, It can be, you know, quite a challenging road when you're trying to put in these boundaries. And like what you were just saying about coming back to the worthy piece, that is a massive part of it. It's like if we don't think that we're worthy of having time to spend five minutes meditating or, you know, half an hour moving our body, whatever it is, it's about how do we cultivate that relationship? How do we rebuild that love and that trust that we have for ourselves? Because, you know, we'd happily spend like half an hour scrolling, but then we still tell ourselves that we don't have time for that beautiful thing that could really change our day. So it's really about coming back to what that is showing us, you know, perhaps do a little bit of work on that to switch it. Because I know that I often, you know, I still do it myself. I'll be like, oh, I don't have time for that. And then I'm like, oh, I've just scrolled for half an hour. So we yeah. all you know we all still do it but it's about it's it's not something that you learn and then that's it you're done forever it's like a constant evolution of life because you change as you move through life your your situation changes your responsibilities your work life your family commitments all of it changes constantly but it's like the most important thing is knowing yourself so that as Mm. things change you can do what you can do yeah amazing and just a final question for you of what is available or possible for you now in the day-to-day as a result of living in a devotional way? And I know that life still throws up its challenges. We still go through like really shit times, 
but what would you say has become available and possible for you as a result of living a devotional life there's so much magic like even in the smallest things I think it's really for me just been about coming back to and being able to see the beauty of life because there is so much beauty I think we get caught up in the the things that perhaps don't go our way or the bad things that are happening and yes there are like horrendous things that are happening but all we can do really is come back to ourselves and give ourselves what we can mm. and that might be you know the smallest little things as well it doesn't have to be though these huge things it can just be the teeny tiny things that shape that that switch our day like I know for me you know when I'm experiencing an emotion that is a little bit shadowy and a bit you know, not something that I love stepping into as much or expressing it's like how can I hold myself in that emotion and actually allow myself to express it in a safe way so that I can get on with my day and often it's dance or shaking it out of my body and you know we have so many tools that we have access to but we just all of that magic has kind of got lost along the way and so really it is about relearning all of the magic that we have available to ourselves just us and our body really Mm. Mm. beautiful thank you so much is there anything else that you wanted to share I don't think so just thank you for having me it's been beautiful to see your lovely face (laughs) (laughs) oh well thank you so much for sharing all of your magic with us today I love you so much I'm so grateful for you (laughs) thank you I love you too (laughs) I hope that you enjoyed that beautiful conversation in this moment ask yourself what is the central takeaway for you and what small action can you implement today towards that there's always so much available to us to take away in these conversations but what does this bring up for you specifically and where you're at in your life right now I personally love what Betty kept drawing attention to that coming back to basics We seem to have a tendency as humans to overcomplicate, to keep adding more in, whereas what seems to often benefit us most is simplifying, slowing down and taking things out. I'd love to hear your feedback and takeaways. I always love to hear from you, so please do feel free to connect via my website, hire-love.com or via my Instagram at hirelove underscore with Megan. And if you would like to connect with Betty, especially around her upcoming course, Past to Presence, a 10-week adventure to living in devotion, all of her information is available within the show notes. Until next time, thank you for listening and big love. Mm